citizens of the earth, you will be destroyed. What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back to the show. Last week, we heard from Anouk Vipret, a fashion tech designer leveraging robotics and artificial intelligence to create garments that literally come to life. Today, we're speaking with a creative technologist designing next-generation consumer experiences. Steve Martel is the VP of Creative Technology for Current Studios, an award-winning team focused on interactive digital content creation. Current Studios has done work with well-known consumer brands, including Walmart, CoverGirl, and Samsung. Now, you might be thinking, wow, doesn't he seem like an interesting guy? You might be thinking you'd love to learn more about Steve and his work. Well, you can, first by listening to this podcast episode and second by attending his talk at FITC. If you're in Toronto, April 29th through May 1st, FITC is the leading creative technology conference in the world. And for their Toronto chapter, audiences will have the opportunity to learn from leading experts in all aspects of design and design thinking, as well as creative technology. And of course, Electric Runway has a discount code for you. Listeners of the Electric Runway podcast can receive 20% off of their ticket to FITC by using the discount code Electric Runway. That is all lowercase, no space. Steve Martel will be on stage at FITC to give a talk called talking to robots. Our conversation today is called Shopping with Robots, since I wanted to learn from his perspective, given his experience in creating many interactive consumer experiences, how emerging interactive technology is playing out in retail. So without further ado, let's launch into it. Five, four, three, two, one. So Steve, welcome to the show. That's yeah, great to be here. Thank you. So for those who don't know, who are you and what is Current Studios? Steve Martel. I'm the Vice President of Creative Technology at Current Studios. And we focus on connecting digital and physical experiences, usually trying to push the boundaries of tech, industry-first stuff like augmented reality, artificial intelligence, experiential design, that sort of thing. Our mission is to create memorable moments that bring people with brands together. Yeah, and as we know, especially with retail, it's all about experiences now because people are no longer going to stores for the traditional reasons because of disruptors like Amazon. So there's definitely lots of overlap between what our audience is interested in and the work that you're doing. Before we delve into that, you're originally from Canada, but you're currently living in Brooklyn. How big is your team? I moved to Brooklyn about uh, three years ago. We opened the studio here in Dumbo. We're actually just moving to a new space in Williamsburg. And uh, the studio started in, in Nova Scotia, where the majority of the presence of our team is. So we have about 30 people, and they range between you know, very specific sort of developers within the skill sets for AI and AR and uh, computer vision and motion graphics. And then we have Unity folks, 3D animators, and some experienced design team here in New York. So before we delve into some of the retail and beauty projects specifically that you've worked on, can you tell us a little bit generally about the clients and the industries that you work with? The clients and industries we work with sort of have been evolving over time. Five years ago when I began with the company, the majority of what we did was within the studio space, so within Marvel and Disney's of the world, looking almost specifically and exclusively at AR. And the purpose of it at that point in time was to activate at retail. It was, it was sort of a new 
was really new back then, but activating it retail was almost unheard of. And then it's, it's evolved as the technology has evolved and as obviously smartphones have evolved and everyone's able to do a lot more. And as well, you just sort of alluded to how the industry, the retail industry is changing. We end up in a place that we're sort of using multiple technology touch points in order to, to give people these experiences. So that's where our, our work and, and client base is somewhat shifted, where, where we won't just have, say, a mobile app on a phone in AR, but we may have a physical installation like at our flagship CoverGirl retail store in, in New York. Uh, we may have a temporary installation as we have some upcoming work in, in London, for example, that can't really talk about, but you know, we'll, we'll give people that um, connection to a physical thing. They're able to have a unique experience that they're able to share with friends, but also have that sort of brand right at the front and center of the experience. Awesome. And so you recently worked with Walmart to create an augmented reality experience for Black Panther. This is one of those in-store retail activations that you were mentioning. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, so Black Panther was a, a fun, sort of a fun opportunity for us to look at some of the new stuff that had came through in, in terms of tech, specifically AR kit and AR core, which, which freed, freed people and free consumers in this case from having to just use the traditional, like scan a package and see a 3D thing. We wanted to give people an experience outside the store that was sort of a tease to motivate them to get into Walmart. And the result was a mobile application that when arriving within Walmart, transform the aisles into Wakanda and allowed you to unlock various life-size characters from the uh, from the movie. It did tie in within to product as well and various integrations through mobile and, and online purchasing and then for us it's, it's more of let's look at behavior and where we're nudging it, uh, where we're nudging people to go and can we back that up with data. So yeah it was, a, it was an awesome little opportunity and it was a great project to work on. And we're going to put a video up on Electric Runway so that people can watch what they're hearing. But I wanted to ask you, what role do you think augmented reality plays in next generation retail experiences? It's a big question. I, mean, I, think, I think the way that people consider augmented reality right now is very, very much a visual one. And, and very much a visual one in the sense of like, I see a 3D thing that's tied to a package or product or poster or moment, right? And that's evolved, the Childish Gambino thing that just came out with Google, or if you go back a step to see Pokemon Go. But within retail specifically, I think that beyond visual, there's opportunities within the audio space, there's opportunities within just the physical movement of space. So I think we'll see more things like the spatial recognition of where you are can impact the products that you see, or the way that a product labeling may be potentially specific to you as a consumer rather than generic to everybody. Obviously, all depending on the devices that we use and whether we're wearing glasses or what have you. But overall, I think that the opportunity for augmented reality to help leverage the way that the online world has changed retail is sort of bringing that back into the physical space so that you can get people into stores, give them the habits that a lot of these, especially younger shoppers and consumers who are primarily online, will have an online experience within the retail environment, which is sort of a backwards way of looking at it. But yeah, I think, I think that's where we'll, we'll see some opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, we've seen lots of that. And we've talked about that lots on Electric Runway, this kind of blending of bricks and clicks. So as I understand it, Current Studios recently designed an AI assistant for CoverGirl called Olivia. Can you tell us about this project? Yeah, this was a, a really ambitious collaboration with CoverGirl. They were launching their first retail bricks and mortar store 
and their only one in, in New York and Times Square. So high visibility area, but they, again, they, the entire store is focused around experience, not just high-end technology, but trying to give people more like being able to try on the products or technical integrations. Whenever there's technology used within the store, it's connected to a product. There's an augmented reality makeup mirror. You pick up the lipstick in order to see it on your face. Everything is, is very consciously connected to both the physical space. And in our role with, with Olivia, the vision was in an ideal space, we'd be able to make a little hologram and have this very personable, say, brand ambassador greet you as you enter the store and help you with, with the two floors of navigation. And, and also provide some other things like beauty tips and common knowledge like how do you, where's the nearest subway and stuff like that. So we built this kiosk that is sort of, it's structured with three screens. It has an array of microphones, some directional audio for speakers, and a variety of sensors so that we can detect movement and behavior within front of the kiosk. And Olivia is, she's a real cover girl, that's not her, her real name, but we, we captured her, built a, a sort of a digital mask around her face in order to create a, a sort of public dynamic where the voice powering her is, is Google's AI. That's sort of the brains behind, behind the face, I guess, in, in this case. And, and as you speak to her, she's, she's able to navigate hundreds of thousands of different phrases and combinations of what you could ask within the context of that store, but also within time to give you the best response possible. It was a sort of whole list of challenges. It's something that, that I was talking a few weeks ago in Amsterdam about, but it's, it's definitely something something when you're dealing within this new space, there's no real preset blueprint to work from. In this case, it's a kiosk, right? And there's obviously AI experiences like within uh, Google Home or Alexa, and people, some people know how to behave and how to communicate with those. But on the other side, there's the physical real person, and we, we've sort of blended it here. So half the people sort of interact with her like she's Google Home. And the other half of people expect a, a real personal and physical experience like a real human and finding a way to, to have a great experience for all those people is what we, you know, what we spend our time doing. That's so interesting. And there's so many different levels that you have to consider when you're designing something like that for a client. So I'm assuming Olivia can handle simple things like where are the lipsticks or where are the red lipsticks? Can she handle more sophisticated queries? Where is the stuff that's on sale or something more recent? Like how often is she updated and how relevant is she over time? She's capable of doing all that. In 2019, she's been rolled out in sort of phases, and her initial functionality had mostly to do with what would people do when they did interact with her, because there were a lot of assumptions being made. And we did work with, you know, we had a lot of, uh, we could consult with our friends at Google, who, you know, within their experience, within conversational design, were able to guide us on certain paths. And then obviously within the CoverGirl retail staff, you know, what do people ask and how does that work? So say version one of Olivia that went in in December could answer any question about a specific product, like by brand name, as well as the product category, like lipstick, mascara, etc. But she was also able to handle sort of general conversation, like where's the nearest train because I'd like to leave, or who are you, or what's CoverGirl's stance on animal testing, these types of things. And then the last, say, the next phase, which we just finished is she's expanded that to have more uh, where the experience that you would have and I would have and if you know seven other people had came right after us and we just listened to it all her response will be is more specific to you than to me and to the next person so we wanted to create that that's sort of again trying to focus on personality and have her more aligned with the brand now the capabilities are there to go you know if someone wanted to say hey this is what's on sale this week or we noticed a lot of people we don't listen to everybody, but we do. We are able to hear the commands. There's a, the data of all the commands that are given to her. 
we, we have record of. So we analyze it on a biweekly basis to see what we're missing or what new things might be coming up. And, and what, for example, a, a product line that was, that was discontinued was people were asking for that. Her not responding is almost worse than providing a, a guidance on where they can go or what they can see or something like that. The, the final point is she, she does offer beauty tips. So how do you put on the eyeliner that you're looking for? Or what is the, you know, some of the, this online, this is an, like a tie into the way we see an, an online behavior. She will provide recommendations based on popularity. Uh, you know, that's just where we see, like, which people, which people are comfortable with. They do it all the time online. She provides that in store, and it's better than just being like, hey, the lipstick's upstairs. You know, she, she gives you a little bit more to it, and, and I think it's a higher value uh, conversation. Maybe Olivia can teach me how to contour one day. Yeah, that's that, people ask this, and, and but yeah, it's it's obviously pretty complicated. I haven't done any of these things, but I I have learned a lot about makeup and its application in the, in the process of this project. I bet. So you also created an interactive experience for CoverGirl for their recent Star Wars: The Force Awakens collaboration. Can you tell us about this project? Yeah, so this precedes Olivia by a year. So so Star Wars was relaunching. Fashion Week was in New York and CoverGirl had done a collaboration with Janelle Monet and and created a set of looks specific to the Star Wars brand. The whole root of the campaign was sort of between the light side, you know, using using the, the force for good and using the force for like the darkness, the the dark side. So the kiosk we created was very much again inspired by like holograms of of Star Wars. We took the models, we had 3D scans done of them, the real cover girls from the, from the campaign, and we allowed people to go through each of the looks using the power of the force. So they used gesture control. So they could swipe through, select a particular product, see its product color and swatch, and then based on what their recommendations were, there was, there was a variety of gift bags that people got at this party. It was a single-day event, and it was, we did it in something like 14 days. It was a crazy timeline. That, again, gesture interactions at retail or in public environments, they're also it's, it's new ground for a lot of people. You know, it's not new ground for technology, but it's definitely new ground as a user experience. And people wave their hands differently. For example, with, with this experience, and this is going to be hard to describe because I, you can't see me, but when, when men tend to, tend to use their hands to, to gesture, they're almost like their fingers are not straight and spread apart, where when most of the, of the women, when, when they would go up, their hands are more out, like as if they're looking at nail polish, you know, where it's nice and clean and straight and clearly a hand. It's a better user experience, and it's easier for the tech to see. You know, it's, it's one of those just weird natural behaviors, and it's not all-encompassing, obviously. But just these, these are the little things that you never really notice until you start seeing it in, in reality. That's so fascinating. Now, where do you think that technology actually makes sense for a branded experience? Because I'm sure that in the line of work that you're in, you have lots of companies and retailers approaching you and saying like, you know, I want something VR, I want something AR just because it's a buzzword that they heard. It's the hot thing right now, but it doesn't actually make sense for their business. So how do you gauge who to work with and what projects make sense and then also find technology that is not just for technology's sake, but technology that actually serves a purpose or enhances the user experience. So when we look at a project, you can almost put them into two categories. If we're dealing with a, a brand, in, in a CoverGirl example, if, if CoverGirl had a fleet of stores and they were looking at rolling out a kiosk into every one of them as part of the user experience, the tech used and the recommendation would be different 
than the, the purpose that we were serving in Times Square. So the, the first category being that, and this is the majority category, that the technology should be invisible to the user experience. The minute that, that a consumer or any person needs to start thinking about how the tech is working is the minute that the cadence of their, of their experience begins to break down. So in many cases, we try to, to stay in that, in that side of things, especially for national rollouts or, or even just, even say, small budget projects can do that. They can be, they can, we can make the tech invisible within the, the majority of new technologies, you know, quote unquote. But it, it's actually one of the biggest challenges with AR in the past was, okay, to do this, I need to download an app and then I need to look at this specific target and then I need to hold the phone pretty steady because you know there was all these things these caveats to the experience which a lot of them are gone now like a lot of them have been broken down which is which is awesome but then the second category is it's not tech for tech's sake but it's sort of like the value of play and any sort of learning and experiencing so you know sometimes things need to go out just to see what they become so for example we we built a biometric ball for Cigna insurance a few years ago. And the experience was just to kind of give people a different level of an insight into what the possibilities of, you know, healthcare could be without having to go to a doctor's office. And it was inspired by some great global work that was done at some futurism museum overseas. But the the point of it was for fun. It was not going to be something, and, and the tech was clearly a thing, and it was a barrier, and people had to move their, wrap their heads around it. But we were able to learn a lot from it. And I think, and, uh, you know, and maybe not for our company, maybe we never do anything like that again, but it's now out there. It's been published, and, and I think, especially within retail, that's, that's what you're seeing, like this drive to experiential. So that's come from just someone messing around. I, I think way back when, like, Kate Spade Saturday became a brand. It was like people were like, "What? This is a crazy thing." We, there's a pop-up store, and like you know, it was or when Refinery Twenty Nine did Twenty Nine Rooms, like people were like, "Oh, is this like the the birth of the Instagram museum?" Like, there's a number of these things that were done as an experiment or as an intentional piece of say art or experience that have become now or are vastly becoming regular things. And AI would be would you know would fit into this category right now. That's it's new and childish in many ways in the way it thinks and works, but it's definitely a future tech that most people won't even know or ha- is, is happening. Yeah, it's very exciting to think ahead to everything that's to come. So uh, speaking of events to come, you're going to be giving a talk at FITC in Toronto entitled Talking to Robots, and it's going to be focused on voice assistance and AI, as we've been discussing. Can you give us a few more details? So, yeah, it, it, we use Olivia, the sort of case study, but not in the way that one of the things I, I, I dislike about many conferences is the polished case study approach to work review. And, as you know, I like to be candid about the work and sometimes it's a little too honest, but I feel that showing the behind the scenes is the way people can learn and the way this stuff becomes more prolific tool within, say, the retail and fashion industry and specifically for our talk. So this we're diving into. There's not a lot out there on conversational design use cases outside of the top three brands that do it, you know, Alexa, Google uh, Assistant, or Google Home, to some small extent, Siri. But there's a white papers, and they have a lot of tools on that. But again, like, what is the world, how do you design for that? There's, you know, this, this idea of designing for a non-square interface. So remove one entirely and have just a voice. What's that feel like? Or like we've learned, adding a face of a human changes the way everybody thinks. And you know, one anecdote that, that's in the that will be in the talk is when when you're in a retail environment, it's very noisy and busy, and you're talking to an AI assistant. It may not hear you, and it asks for clarity. And in Olivia's case, because she has a face, 
people step closer to her face and yell at her ears. Like they yell at her face, even though she has no ears. She has a microphone that's above her, but they sort of take a step in. And these are little things I think that, you know, for many people would go, maybe not the, the most fun fact, but, but from our perspective, and I think with the audience at FITC, these are the things that with a user experience and, and design that, that make what we do kind of fun. That's so funny and interesting and a really great illustration of this kind of increasingly blurred line between technology and humans. I want to sit at the Times Square cover girl store and watch people interacting with Olivia. I feel like that's so fascinating and I can't wait to quote unquote meet her at FITC. One last question for you, uh, Steve, before I let you go, how can people follow you and stay in touch with current studios work? Yeah, well, Instagram, the Steve Martell. It's I know it's a pretentious name, but it's the one that was available to me. <laughs> That's the most probably the most active at Current Studios. Our Instagram. If you want to see all the latest work, whenever we're doing an installation, even right now, I think you can preview some stuff we're doing in London. That's at Current Studios, and then on Twitter, Steve Martell, all one word. Yeah, those are my spots. I'd love to keep in touch with anybody. Great, and so we'll put the links up on Electric Runway so people can follow you and take a look at your work. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me, and we'll talk to you later. That was my conversation with Steve Martell, the VP of Creative Technology for Current Studios. For more information on Steve's upcoming talk at FITC, visit FITC.ca. And if you're going to be in Toronto on April 29th through May 1st, be sure to use that Electric Runway discount code. That's Electric Runway, all lowercase, no space, to receive 20% off your ticket price. Electric Runway is a proud media partner of FITC. We love their core values of design thinking, creative collaboration, and open innovation. So that's it for today's episode. Of course, for further links and resources from this conversation, visit electricrunway.com. That's also where you'll find all past and future episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at electric underscore runway. And right now on Instagram, it's April 17th, 2019. We're actually running a ticket giveaway so you can win tickets for you and a friend to attend FITC at the end of the month just for following Electric Runway. So be sure to check us out there. Once again, that's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. System override.